0: Welcome to TrekCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council in Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio, Trek's Marketing and Communications Coordinator. Our guest today is Michael Kaiser of the Beck Group, one of the leading designers on Beck's submission to Uber Elevate for its VertiPort system. Michael talks to us about the changing transportation needs in Dallas, Beck's beehive design for the VertiPort, and the difficulties of designing the future. I'd like to thank today's sponsor, Boca Powell, for their support of our transportation series. And now, here's a word from them.
1: I'm Chris Barnes, a principal of Boca Powell Architects in Dallas. And we've been working with Airbus and Hellasum on a
0: new facility in Grand Prairie. Our involvement with helicopters is important as we look for the future for Uber Elevate and the type of product that they're going to use.
1: As the Dallas 4th Metroplex grows and expands, transportation becomes a really key issue and an important factor. So being able to move through the city via helicopter or whatever mechanism it is becomes very important. Boca Powell is moving people and companies forward. To learn more, visit BocaPowell.com.
0: Big thanks to Boca Powell for their sponsorship and support. Now, here's Michael Kaiser. Michael, your firm was um, among the companies that submitted mm-hmm. uh, VertiPort designs uh, for Uber, uh, for Uber Elevate, right? Right. Um, what What was your role in that process? What, what did that look like for you?
1: Well, I'm, a, I'm the design director for the Dallas office, and so I tend to um, lead up projects like this, right? So we have a big team of designers uh, in the office, and so it's really about, uh, getting the group together and starting to think about projects like this. So I tend to lead them, tend to start them.
0: um, So was heavily involved. Could you walk me through sort of what that process looked like? Sure. For designing the vertiport? Sure. Well, you know, the initial thing
1: is when you get a request like this to do a project, you have to decide, do we have the manpower available? Do we want to spend the time? Is this something worth pursuing? And for us, it was an easy yes, because for one, we love to do what I would call future projects where we kind of put ourselves thinking out there beyond what we deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? So we've done these for churches. We did a future church project a couple years back. We've done them for malls. So really it's trying to just think about what are the technological changes that are coming and how do we respond to them, right? How do we respond to them as architects and how do we help our clients respond to them? And so for us, this was great because, you know, you've been seeing a lot of this in the news um, it was a big deal last year when Uber did their first Elevate Summit here in Dallas and picked Dallas as a test city. So that got a lot of hub locally and and so we had heard about it, knew about it, knew that it was on the horizon and so when we got this opportunity we jumped on it. The design process and kind of how we get started with these is we, we tend to get together a group of people, um, you know, it, it's an open invite to... Uh, designers and architects in the office, and um, we start with a process of really trying to dive in and just understand the requirements. One of the initial things that Uber gave us was they wanted to try to uh, basically. Uh, well, let's see. So they, they they gave us this idea that they needed 3,500 takeoffs and landings an hour, and that's a lot of vehicles <laughs> taking yeah, off and landing. Certainly is. Yeah, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I remember when we initially, we, we initially thought about this, it, it, part of it was just getting our head around, well, what is this? So our typical process is investigation and analysis and understanding of just what is the problem that we're trying to solve. So it was a huge problem they gave us, and then they said that 3,500 takeoffs and landings needs to be in five acres, and it was impossible without going super vertical. And so a lot of our early ideas were around that. They then came back to us and said, okay, we realized that was a little much. <laughs> uh, let's try a thousand takeoffs and landings. Okay. And we're like, okay, well, that that definitely helps us. So we we then um, worked on a, a lot of different scenarios for how that could work. And I'll say this too, you know, one of the things about these uh, exercises is that they really allow you to dream and to really for 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 us a lot of times we're we're caught up in very specific programs and very specific building types, and so this allows you to kind of get out of that and sometimes tend to say well if we're dreaming let's just do something really crazy let's go out there when we started down that road we had a bunch of really interesting ideas um, and then we we presented this back to uber john badalamente was kind of the rep for uber that worked with us and um, as we presented to him we started to realize and i think he he kind of pushed us in this direction to be a little bit more realistic and what we thought is really this is only five years away, there's not going to be huge technological leaps in terms of the construction industry that are going to allow us to build these super tall buildings at cost effectively. So we need to think about how can we can do this realistically. And so then that sort of to drive where we took the design.
0: I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the the idea of Beck being really interested in futuristic mm-hmm. designs and futuristic type projects. Um, i'm while I'm very curious on what a futuristic church looks like, um i just want to get I'm, I'm very curious about the um sort of the push in that direction for you guys what what is it about designing things with that sense of the future like what what do you mean by by futuristic when you say that is it is it along the lines of something that doesn't really exist in our world yet like the vertiport I right. I- is that really what a project would have to be for you guys to right
1: do? so what it is basically is looking at What are the technological changes that are going to drive change, right? What are the things that are coming down the pipe that that we need to be looking at? And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot was, even before Uber, was automated vehicles. And what is that going to mean for parking? Because we've read, you know, there are several articles out there about this, and there are several studies and thoughts about it that says that we're not going to need as much parking. And so that's a big change, because right now, we spend, you know, 25% of a project is parking. 25% of the cost of a project is parking. Sure. So that's a pretty good <laughs> chunk of money, and if yeah. you can take that out and spend it just on the building itself and just on the program and not have to deal with that, then that's a huge change. And think about what that means for the city, too, because so much of our land right now take is taken up by parking. And so we were already kind of thinking of these things and what those mean. And so when this came along, well, this is just taking that and saying, well, this could be an exponential change to it. Because now not only do we are we going to have automated vehicles and we don't need parking spaces, well, now also we can kind of leapfrog the highways and get
0: up in the air and create more point-to-point connections. So the, the design that Beck had decided on was modeled after a beehive. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? What what went into that um, creative vision for for the project?
1: Well, you know, as I was talking about this idea of investigation, we had to really understand how this was going to work as a skyport. So, the the thing is, you have um, you have these EV tolls that are taking off and landing, and they have to work right now because of the way the regulations are set in the FAA. They work like helicopters, and so helicopters are driven by a lot of regulations. And so the FADO is really that area where the, the helicopter or the eVTOL will take off and land. And then the Phaedos and the landing pads themselves are typically circular or square. And so y- what we started to say is we really w- wanted it to be circular because the idea is if these craft are landing, they have to land and then they have to move to a charging station. And if they can move omnidirectional, then that's a, a better way to put a lot of these closer together. And so omnidirectional means r- round. And then we started thinking, well, it's really a hexagon would be a great geometry for this because you can plug kind of geometrically hexagons next to each other, right, and begin to build on this. And then once we started looking at these in plan, we said this looks just like a beehive. And then it was like, well, the beehive, you think about it, is is a very industrious yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, thing that uh, you have all these bees flying around and it and the, the sound of them sounds like, what these EV tools are going to sound like, so there were just a lot of those. It was a, it was a great metaphor, us
0: oh, a- to use for absolutely, it. Yeah. And, and it also has a beehive has that sort of vertical design already, right?
1: And um. there's a connotation with the word hive, right? And that's yeah. why we started to say this is very much like a hive. Uh, these things are going to be coming in, landing. They have to sit there and charge uh, for a certain amount of time, and then take off again.
0: So, so what goes into or rather, what what are some of the challenges associated with taking on that that sort of futuristic mindset, especially when you're creating something? I mean, it's one thing to design a futuristic-looking church. Mm-hmm. We have a basis for comparison of what a church looks like, but right. for something like a vertaport, I mean, it's it could be a very broad definition. Uh, certainly, one of those "eye of the beholder" kind of deals. Sure. So, what what are some of the challenges associated with? taking on a futuristic mindset with something that doesn't even exist. I mean, there's got to be some sort of, it it seems like a a sort of science fiction element to it as well.
1: Yeah, there's a big part of that. I think what you have to do is you have to say, we've got to find what are the rules going to be that we're going to work within. And One of the great things about working with Uber is they've been doing a lot of thinking about this. So they had a lot of those kind of rules already in place, right? Uh Like they told us that these have to be able to recharge within a seven minute time window. The batteries themselves are going to last for a 60-mile flight. And so they kind of gave us a lot of that information already to work within. And so that's typically what we do with any kind of client. We're given us or help them work through a program to get to how big is the building, how many spaces do you need, how does it work, you know, all those things. And then the great thing is then a lot of times that kind of utility, that function then begins to drive the aesthetics Sometimes it just kind of works incidentally like the beehive itself, it worked you know it was very it worked very well for how the the, the heliport wanted to work and then it kind of lended itself towards helping us visualize what the architecture could look like
0: so as as the vertiport, um, you know becomes a, as it's as it's implemented mm-hmm. um, and as it becomes more widespread, how, how do you think its implementation will affect, you know, traditional land use planning, and certainly, um, you know, things like construction and, and infrastructure.
1: Well, that's to us the the most fascinating question. Sure. Because um, you know, I saw um, a stat recently that said that, and getting this goes goes back to parking, that there are nine parking spaces for every vehicle <laughs> in the U.S. right now, and you think about just how much downtown land is dedicated to a parking field, and if you have these vertiports that cut down the distance that people can travel between points and then when you land at a vertiport, you then get into an Uber vehicle or even like a scooter that takes you that last mile, you, have no, you no longer have a need for parking and that could be very transformative to, to cities. All those parking fields or parking lots could turn into parks or workforce housing. There's so many things that you could then do with that land, much more valuable uses. The other thing that's interesting for us too is we were thinking about um, what happens when now I can cover these distances much quicker. And then it started to make me think about, you think about this area and just how we've grown and just we keep moving further and further north. <laughs> Pretty soon we're gonna annex Oklahoma, right? Because we're just, <laughs> uh, we're getting so big. But um, is that is that gonna cut down the amount of time it takes us to make much, much greater distances of travel? So. I think about the fact that small towns, you know, if you just want to move out of the city and move to a small town, but you have a skyport within distance of where you live, does that start to make those towns much more viable places to live and raise a family? Because now you can hop on an an EV toll and get to work
0: within, you know, under an hour. With that said, I mean, what do you think the pressure is for, for VertiPort to succeed? I mean, what what happens if if this, um, you know, if we implement the the Uber version of the VertiPort mm-hmm. and it's not accepted by the public and it's sort of not, the, you know, it, it goes the way of the of the line bike mm-hmm. um, or the dockless bike rather. Right. Um, what what happens then? I mean, from your from your vantage point, wh- what do you see? Like, like what's what is your crystal ball, your futuristic uh, mindset if, if that if that happens?
1: Well, you know, I think when we first started this, we had similar questions. And I even had this thought that I'm not sure that I would really want to get on one of these for a while at least, right? I'm not gonna be a beta tester. Sure. (laughs) I wanna see these working for a while before I get on them. But um, when we went out to the summit, and then you saw the amount of capital being invested, and the amount of companies that are working on these, I don't think it's a question of if, I think it's a question of when. Hmm. And And it really does say to you, okay, well, it is going to happen. I mean, there's just too much momentum towards creating these. And there'll probably be, you know, there'll probably be stumbles. I mean, we've seen like the accidents that have happened with the automated vehicles, right? And, and like what did I read recently where we've got pretty much 90% of autonomous vehicles figured out in terms of how they drive themselves. It's that last 10% that's the hardest, but they're working really hard on that. And so I think. I think the, you're going to start to see, for, for one thing, we've been told that in a couple of years, you're going to start to see test flights. Um, and between DFW and Frisco, this is one of the things that Hillwood's been working on. And Hillwood was the original developer, obviously, that got us involved and, and put the call out to the architecture firms. So they're working on it from a real estate standpoint. So I think you're going to start to see these. And then, just like we've seen with phones, the, how quickly they get adapted. You know, you were bringing up the line bike as an example of kind of a failure but then look at
0: the scooters,
1: and of look course. at the
0: look at the adaptation of the scooters, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they as quickly as it seems that Lime Bike went away, Lime Scooter, I mean, they're you know they're one of those major companies, and they're still a major player. Yeah, it's certainly very fascinating to see how how that um, that bit of, of technology of of You know, traveling short distances, not necessarily needing an Uber or a Lyft to go from point A to point B. Right. um, Just with the simple change in, I mean, what's next? Lime scooter or Lime skateboard? You know, it's it's one of those. Like, we just changed the the mode of transportation, something that's been around, something that we've used. Certainly in my lifetime, you know, growing up, we went from bikes to scooters to skateboards, rollerblades, what have you. Right. Um, it was just a matter of it seemed from the outset of, of figuring out which option yeah. would work most effectively. Right.
1: Yeah, and for us, we work in downtown, and a lot of us use scooters now to go across town to a different restaurant that might have been out of walking range, and we didn't want to drive to it, but we could definitely scooter to it. Um, and we use them. now the, the trick is, We've, ha- we've seen really quick adaption of it, but I don't think the city is caught up because you'd look at that cities that are better a- equipped for, for bike travel, like Chicago or New York or just other cities that have really good dedicated bike lanes, and we don't really have a lot of that. And so you're seeing a lot of these scooters have to
0: hop up on a sidewalk. With regard to the vertiport design, um, just as we sort of wrap up here, mm-hmm. was there anything about the design process, anything about... You know point a and all the questions you had to the end result of of the beehive design um anything that surprised you anything that you learned about sort of something that you know didn't didn't exist but now in theory does for for beck with with this kind of design
1: well i think for for one um just like i said before just the scope of what just the the amount of um Um, of people that are involved in this and just the scale of of what's going on. Going to the Uber Summit was very eye-opening, just seeing how many companies are working on these craft and and how much money is pouring into it. So it made it look more real to us, frankly, after we'd been out there. But I also think that, you know, one of the things that we are, we're construction, we're architecture and construction, so we do design-build. And so one of the things about our design is that we're always – kind of grounded in that reality of trying to get it built right how can we get this built and so um, putting cost to it was a big part of what we did and kind of understanding that cost impact and then when we went out and met with uber they're trying to drive the cost down of this to the point where it's as inexpensive as an uber x sure right and so you think about there's obviously they have to get to a certain scale to be able to do that right but that's certainly a driver so these can't be super expensive skyports either and that's where, again, it goes back to that whole fantasy thing. You can dream and create these crazy expensive buildings, but they're probably not going to get built. So what yeah. can we do that is built or can be built? And so that's where we started to think, you know, even the one that we designed I think is probably too expensive. And so we're going to have to work to how do we how do we drive the cost down as we become these become more real. And I think they are going to start with really simple just, you know, slabs of concrete on the ground or using the top of a par- an existing parking deck. Those can be much more cost-effective ways to start these, but then at some point, you will see ones like we design, maybe popping up in a neighborhood just outside of downtown. So where they're within a, say, five-minute drive of the city itself, but you come in and land there, and so then your total travel time is still pretty short if you're going a fairly good distance.
0: Thanks so much to Michael Kaiser of the Beck Group and Boca Powell for sponsoring today's show. Just a reminder, please subscribe to TrekCast over on iTunes and follow us on social media at The Real Estate Council on Facebook and at Dallas on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, I'm Bill San Antonio. We'll see you next time.